Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. The Bible tells about a future Antichrist, a great world leader who seeks and gets the worship of mankind. This evil being will be a rival to the real Jesus. His career will mimic that of Christ as he dies and is raised again. From the Moody Church in Chicago, this is Running to Win with Dr. Erwin Lutzer, whose clear teaching helps us make it across the finish line. Today, Erwin Lutzer continues a series on The King is Coming, Preparing to Meet Jesus. In this, the fourth of ten messages, we look toward a time when the king tolerates his rival. In the Hofburg Library in Vienna, there is a spear believed by many to be the one that was used by the Roman soldier who pierced Christ's side. When Hitler was in Vienna before he became famous, he spent a great deal of time in the Hofburg. And it is said that as he looked at that spear, and he believed that it was authentic, even though there were 45 other spears that claimed the same honor or dishonor, we should say, But it is said that when he looked at that spear and stared at it, he invited its spirit to possess him. And one observer said that Hitler was engulfed with ectoplasmic light when he did that. Later on, when Hitler went to Munich, uh, as all of us know, he was taken into the deepest levels of occult transformation. Dietrich Uckart, who was Hitler's mentor, said that Hitler is the one who has been anointed as Messiah. He shall dance, he says, but I have written the tune, and because I have introduced him to the powers, I shall have had more impact on Germany than any other German. One of the observers said that Hitler's body was but the shell for the spirit that inhabited him. Why is it that when we speak about Antichrist, we always think of Hitler? We don't think of Stalin, or we don't think of Mao Zedong, all of whom killed also multiplied millions of people. We think of Hitler as kind of a a prototype of the Antichrist for a couple of reasons. First of all, because he arose in Germany democratically. Well, not exactly, because he didn't have a majority in the Reichstag, but he was able to eliminate all of his rivals and end up as der Führer, which means the leader. There's another reason, and that is that the Germans adored him. I've spoken to Germans who lived during that period of time, and they said that you Americans will never understand the impact that Hitler had on us, the sense of euphoria. Skeptics would go to Nuremberg at those great rallies, and they would come back saying, Our father, Adolf, who art in Nuremberg, the Third Reich, come. What a dictator he was. There's another reason why I like to think of him as a prototype of the Antichrist, and that is because of his hatred for the Jews. Because the Bible teaches that another man, even more evil than Hitler, is going to come, as we're going to see in a moment, and he also is going to try to exterminate the Jewish race and do evils that Hitler could only think about, evils that modern technology have now allowed us to commit. What I'd like to do is to ask you to take your Bibles in just a moment and turn to the 13th chapter the 13th chapter of the book of Revelation, and we are going to stay there. I'm going to be reading some other verses, but 
The 13th chapter of Revelation is the passage where I want you to be, I want you to stay, because we're going to be looking at specific verses about the coming world ruler when Jesus chooses to tolerate a very evil rival. When we think of Antichrist, remember that the phrase anti means against. Everything that Jesus does, Satan is going to want to do, and to some extent, he'll do it. There are at least many things. Somebody found a list of 20 similarities between Jesus and Antichrist. I'm going to give you only five or six or seven. Some of the similarities are this. Uh, Both of them will claim to be God. Jesus claimed to be God, and Antichrist will claim to be God. Both of them make a covenant with Israel. Both of them appear in a temple. Both of them are crowned and are worshipped. Both of them perform signs and wonders. Both of them have armies. And both of them are put to death and rise from the dead. Antichrist. I'm going to begin in the 13th chapter of the book of Revelation and explain the first few verses, and then what we're going to do is we're going to take a tour through the life of Antichrist, and we're going to survey his career. You'll notice it says, and I saw a beast. John sees this beast, by the way, and I want to warn you, it is a gruesome beast. This is not a domesticated animal. This is a ferocious beast hideous, and indeed grotesque. I saw a beast arising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns, and blasphemous names on its head. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like that of a bear. Its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. Let's stop there for only a moment because we must hurry on. When it says that uh, this beast had ten horns, those horns represent kings that are going to very gladly execute all the desires of Antichrist. They will rule during his period of time, but they are going to be submissive to him, and they'll carry out his demands. The seven heads refer to a succession of different kingdoms, and the animal that you see there, the leopard, That represents Greece, Bear, Medo-Persia, and then a lion, a reference to Babylon. You say, how come you know all that? You just make this stuff up. Well, no, not really. If you were to look in the book of Daniel, you'd see many of the same animals. You'd see many of the same sequences. And by the way, this exact description occurs about the red dragon in chapter 12, the previous chapter here in the book of Revelation. When you think of Antichrist, you have to think of a kingdom and you also have to think of a person because his personage embodies this whole kingdom, this conglomeration, this group of revived states and powers that most probably are going to come out of Europe, the revived Roman Empire of Europe. Well, all that by way of introduction. Now we'd like to begin on the career of Antichrist. But before we do, you're going to ask the question, where are we going to be when all of this is happening? Well, if the scenario is correct that we should think of the return of Jesus in two stages and not just one, 
What this would mean is that the church is raptured. We who believe in Jesus and trust him are going to be in heaven. And then there's going to be a period of time, perhaps years, when some of the various countries all get aligned for the end time. And it is then that Antichrist is going to arise and he is going to begin the seven-year period by making a covenant with Israel. And during this period of time, as we learned in previous messages, people are going to be saved. We're going to find that there are saints here in the tribulation and they are going to interest us specifically. And all kinds of things are going to be going on. Now, if you don't believe in the pre-tribulation rapture, then as you look at this, this will be an event that all of us, if we are alive at that time, will be participating in. And I think that as you think about it and we go through the text, you're going to hope that the pre-tribulational rapture is the correct view. I can guarantee that will be your preference. But we're not basing it on preference. We have to look at the Bible and find out how do these pieces fit together. All right, the career of Antichrist. Number one, he will arise out of a revived Roman Empire. You know that if this were a classroom, we'd go back to the book of Daniel and read all kinds of passages. Daniel made all these predictions, and the book of Revelation is like a hand going into a glove. When you understand Daniel, you're really set up to understand the book of Revelation. But let me read to you, first of all, in the book of Daniel, in chapter 7, it says that there was a little horn, a little ruler, and he subdued others, and then he became this mouth speaking great blasphemies, etc. It's a reference to Antichrist. He's going to begin small. Nobody's going to know who he is. He's going to be quite unobtrusive. But then as he gains power then you will see his true colors. But let me read what it says in chapter 8 of Daniel. And at the latter end of their kingdom, when the transgressions have reached their limit, a king of bold face, one who understands riddles, he's going to be very clever, shall arise. His power will be great, but not by his own power. He shall cause fearful destruction and shall succeed in what he does and destroy mighty men and people who are the saints. By his cunning he shall make deceit prosper and shall destroy many. And then he's going to be broken by the prince of princes, namely Jesus. And that's exactly what the book of Revelation teaches, as we shall see in just a moment. You know, there's another passage in chapter 7 where it says regarding Antichrist, he shall throw truth to the ground and shall deceive many. And he is going to deceive many and throw truth to the ground. So first of all, he comes out of a revived Roman Empire, as the book of Daniel would teach. Secondly, he makes a covenant with Israel, which he will break. This is really Daniel chapter 9. In Daniel chapter 9, you have a reference to a prince who's going to come, who's going to make a covenant with Israel for one week, and actually, when you look at the text, you know that it's one week of years, namely seven years. And Antichrist is going to have so much power that when he makes this covenant with Israel, the world will finally say that this Middle East, this cauldron that we read about all the time in the news, has finally settled down. Finally, there's some strength over there in Europe. And Antichrist, of course, he won't be called that, but this ruler has finally been able to satisfy Israel 
and put enough pressure on its neighbors to live in peace. So much peace that it may be during this period of time when there's actually a temple built next to the Dome of the Rock because when three and a half years have passed, this Antichrist actually goes into that temple and declares himself to be God. Well, my friend, this is Pastor Lutzer, and I need to emphasize that we might not know all the details and how they fit together, but this much we do know, that the Bible speaks about the coming of Christ, the coming of Antichrist, the fact that there is going to be a great separation between believers and unbelievers. And it speaks about heaven, and it speaks about judgment. All of these themes are covered in my book entitled, The King is Coming. And for a gift of any amount, it can be yours. And we make this offer to you in such a way, emphasizing that we desire to help you make it successfully all the way to the finish line. Once again, the title of the book, The King is Coming. That was Erwin Lutzer introducing The King Tolerates His Rival, the fourth in a 10-part series on The King is Coming. The book of Daniel has amazing parallels to the New Testament book of Revelation. It tells us much about the coming Antichrist. Next time, more about the timeline of his short career as world ruler. Short because Jesus will terminate it when he returns. The King is Coming is also a book by Erwin Lutzer, and we'll send it as a thank you for your gift of any amount to support Running to Win. Just call us at 1-800-215-5001. That's 1-800-215-5001. Online, go to OfferRTW.com or write to Running to Win, Moody Church, 1635 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60614. For Dr. Erwin Lutzer, this is Dave McAllister. Running to Win is a ministry of the Moody Church.